0: to episode 10 I can't believe we're at episode 10 to be fair because I didn't think we'd make it to like episode 8 but we made it so we're at 10 and this very special episode with a very special guest it's special for two reasons and the first reason is because it's actually not the morning it's the afternoon so technically it's good afternoon Manouk but we're cool with that. And we also have very um, special guests on with us today Aoife Hines and Teresa Rose Sebastian. Um, so these are our two guests for today's very, very, very interesting topic um, on climate crisis why don't people care and as you know on Good Morning Minute, we love to you know spice things up a bit and kind of get to the point and ask these real deep questions that's why it's important um but as you know I am Buki the VP In Life and your host with my co-host Kiran Watts. did you want to introduce yourself?
1: <laughs> I am the co-host as as we like to put you know to tell much Louise for Buki Um, I am like uh, she's saggy, I'm Scooby Doo. You know, we go hand in hand, we cause trouble and we're here to entertain, you know. Um but yeah, so I'm Kieran Rossman, the Vice President for Welfare and Equality in the student team. Um, we unfortunately don't have Kieran Conklin with us here today, uh, just as a result of uh, scheduling issues. So he'll be back to the next um, we'll be back to the next episode. So um it
0: is just one Kieran today. So. Yeah. it's usually two Kieran's but for fun fact if anyone didn't know you usually have two Kiran in the show but um Kieran what well, you're okay it will work with you we'll work with it will work so um I am going to briefly introduce our guests and then let them introduce themselves. Um, but first we have Eva Hines, who is actually our current Green Campus Senator in case you missed that too. And also Theresa Rose Sebastian, who is an environmental activist, very, very prominent on social media. Um, so if you want to introduce yourselves, I'd say Aoife and then Theresa. Can we hear me? Mm-hmm. Fab.
2: Um, So I'm Aoife Hines. I'm a student at Maynooth University. I'm studying International Development and Geography. And I'm finishing up my second term as Green Campus Senator. I've actually, somebody's after uh, getting elected into the role after me, so I have a successor, which is quite nice. It's always something you do worry about. Um, I just, this this has always been something I've cared about right since like I was, you know, knee high. I've cared about nature I've cared about things like that so obviously over time I came to know about climate change and I was involved in green schools when I was in secondary school and then when I got to college I said ooh, there's so many different things we can do here and I've been so lucky that I've had an amazing students union to work with to actually make those things happen and that's that's what I've been doing working with my SU to make Minute sustainable.
0: Yeah that's true Um, and yeah yourself Teresa.
3: I feel like I have to. That's a lot to carry on. But um, hi everyone, my name is Teresa. I'm currently a fifth year in Cork, so I'm a bit far away from everyone else here on the on the Zoom. Um, I've been active in the environmental movement for around the last three years. I started after visiting home, and there was floods. These floods were torrential. They were unnatural, basically, and that sort of experience was like. Okay, you gotta do something. Um, and three years on, I have co-founded an international organization, and I'm also trying to work on like community empowerment and stuff like that. So that's a very brief introduction, but that's me.
0: Y'all, both of you, <laughs> I like, both of you have like an amazing repertoire. I'm sorry. I and then it's me, like... me, and I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I took the recycling bin out today. Woo! Like this. <laughs> that's, that's no, me. <laughs> I was like, okay, y'all. I love the way you both were so humble, and you were like, you know. Uh, you know like this is, this is a hard act to follow kind of thing and then you just list off the fact that you are a founder of an international organization which is very very impressive but both of you I've seen a lot of the stuff that you've done especially Mifa um, I've worked closely with you to see the kind of work that you do and Teresa I've seen your socials and they are popping and you are spreading a lot of awareness both of you but honestly first of all fair play to the amount of work that you do do um do do I always kind of get you know, weird when I say the two words together. But yeah, so fair play to um all that work that you have done. Um, but yeah, so I suppose today is kind of be a, bit, a little bit about your journey and also the student journey, both secondary and post secondary as well, because we're having two sides of the conversation coming through. Um, but I think I you already kind of touched on this on your journey. But even if you wanted to go further and talk about your journey to environmental activism, we might go in reverse reverse order. I can't
3: <laughs> oh, so I'm going to um, yeah. So, yeah.
2: yeah, Teresa, go.
3: So sorry. Um yeah. Um for me kind of growing up, I've always just really loved nature. Like both my parents, um, they kind of grew up sustaining themselves from the land that they had, um, because they weren't exactly the most, you know, well off when they were back at home in India. And sort of as I grew up, that sort of love for nature was always given to me, like we would always make sure we'd have a garden whenever we'd go home to India, we'd always spend time working on the land. And I mean, working on the land as in like gardening and making sure that, you know, there was some sort of sustenance given to us through the land. Um, But I never kind of had the courage really to be like, I want to fight for this. I want to fight for justice and stuff until I kind of faced the climate crisis directly. Um, And what had happened was in 2018, you see, Kerala, which is the place I'm from in India, always has these monsoon floods. We, we And monsoon rains, basically. Mm. We kind of expect them every year. But the rains that we got in 2018 were unnatural. Like Like, we, we had floods in, what, three to four hours, which was just not normal at all. Um, and I, I mean floods as in the water was up to my chest, up to my neck at some stages. It was really, really crazy. And, like, I, I remember, you know, kind of looking out because I was living on a flat... And like, you couldn't see the tree trunks, the entire land around me was just kind of submerged. Um, And that sort of experience was really like, really scary. You know, I was 14, I was a kid. I was like, okay, this is really scary. Um, I don't don't know what's gonna happen next. Um, But I I was quite privileged because the day my flight was booked to come home here to Ireland, the water had actually receded and the airports were open again. And I came back home, I had a fresh, clean house, but nobody was talking about it, you know? Like we lost four hundred people, people like hundreds were still missing with the floods and the natural disasters that were happening, and yet nobody in the other side of the world or even the global north, so to say, were speaking of it, and that sort of ignorance really triggered me because as someone who doesn't get to go home very often, I'm very connected to my people and my land, and sort of seeing that ignorance, I was like, okay, if not me, then who? If not now, then when? And from that day onwards, I was like, I have to do something. And I, the climate crisis and working for justice has kind of taken over every aspect of my life. And I've tried to bring that into whatever I do, you know, because as an activist, it's not just environmentalism, it's injustice that I'm fighting against. But um, that's how I became an activist.
0: Yo, this is very, like you touched on, basically you covered the whole session in one conversation, one topic, like you really hit yeah, the point. We're done now, you know? Yeah, you know, so- <laughs> No, but like, you, you re- you've you already answered part of the question that we're asking today as well, you know, like, as to why do people not care? Now, when we say people, we don't mm-hmm. just mean, like, just general people. Sometimes it could be the specific people that we really need to take action that we kind of are talking about in that sense, or just people who don't care as well. And, you know, and it's the question of, like, why? And that you touched on my favorite word, and okay, care, I will know this, but my favorite word, privilege. Whoo. Okay. It was the privilege. It's, it's, it's that ability to be able to come to a clean home and see that no one is talking about something that literally took people's lives in the blink of an eye. That kind of information is so vital. And a lot of people don't seem to maybe feel the impact because they are not experiencing it. And that's something that we're seeing a lot with, not just exactly climate crisis, yeah, but injustice. You see that and you mentioned that, and I really love that you touched on it. So thank you for even sharing that part as well. And Aoife yourself, um your journey to environmental activism
3: um so i said
2: before i started off in green schools and the thing is i've grown up in ireland so i've grown up quite privileged in terms of the effects of climate change um so i haven't really seen them firsthand really um but As somebody who was very tuned into the environmental movement, I was seeing news, like I remember those floods, and I remember just being shocked that nobody was talking about them. Just as nobody's talking about the fact that sub-Saharan Africa is on fire constantly, nobody's talking about Siberia being on fire, nobody's talking about anthrax and other diseases entering Indigenous communities up above the Arctic Circle as that thaws because it's coming out of the ground. Nobody talks about this. So... I started off obviously from the very privileged position of being, let's recycle and um, let's plant some, you know, biodiversity things, those small steps that we're encouraged to do. Um, and for me, it's really been a journey of starting to see intricacy of the issues and how the reason that we've gotten to the climate crisis comes from everywhere. It comes from uh, the history of colonialism, it comes from capitalism, it comes from, you know, racism and so many different problems that we have in society. So at least the good thing is we have lots of allies going forward. That's the way I, I think about it, because so many causes relate to each other, that solving one problem, like solving the climate crisis means solving other problems in other areas. Right. Um, and that's where I've ended up. That's the that's to me, my journey as an activist has more been about the way I've approached it. So I started off with the whole thing of recycling and very much like Eurocentric kind of ideas of this is how we fight this. Um, But over time I've become much more involved in actual movements. And I've been trying to get more um, informed on climate justice and um, BIPOC issues within the environmental community so uh, black indigenous or people of color mm-hmm. um and intersectionality is something that I've really started to go down the route of so for me it's been more of a journey of moving away from the narrative we're fed here in the west Ooh. and actually taking a global view of things that was- and that's that that's how I ended up where I am starting to look at things on a bigger scale yeah
0: that was deep oh my gosh
1: this is gonna be an interesting yeah. I think uh, I I love that like because I think especially like in Ireland, like you always hear, you know, like and I think it's really important when like you're highlighting like there that like in Ireland we're very privileged in relation to like our, like, what we what we see as effects, because we don't really see the effects. I mean, yes, of course, people will be like, oh my God, it's snowing in April. And it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, that's, I guess it is an effect, but like there are much worse things happening in other areas. It's like, so while yes, obviously we do see, some effects of climate change and other people are seeing much worse effects and i think it's really important that like most people don't really like i said like it's not being talked about like this, this conversation really tends to be limited to that like oh the weather's a tiny bit different or oh look we're getting a bit of sun in the middle of december or like oh it's like it's raining in the middle of summer you know and i think it's really that it's very like a localized like what affects those conversation that happens like even i know like in schools and stuff like you'd never have heard about Mm -hmm. even when schools would talk about climate change it was only ever really reduced reuse kind of how it affects how how does it affect us and that's that even at that it doesn't really affect us to the same extent as it affects and other countries and stuff outside of Europe Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah I think it's really I think it's really important like people take note of that and people acknowledge their privilege in like in how climate change
0: affects them yeah that was, yeah that's so true like our, if I think about my journey of learning about like climate change in school I will tell you it really was just in a nutshell reduced reuse cycle and like that's so sad because I came from a background of being um, a scientist I'm still a scientist technically <laughs> but like I did all three sciences in um, Leaving cert so I did biology chemistry and ag science and you would expect me to learn a lot about the issues that are we're like actually being faced with right now. like you would expect that to be my curriculum. It's not. Even when I got to college, it wasn't and I'm a biology major. so it's like <laughs> like the primary opportunities you have to be able to input this education it's not there. you're not doing it. And that is coming from the fact that yeah, we are privileged. we don't feel the effects of what's going on or we just don't think mm-hmm. that it's important because even mm-hmm. there are aspects that we are seeing, Aoife, you mentioned it intersectionality, that injustice is basically happening and no one's talking mm-hmm. about it because they're like, it's not my problem. <laughs> but yeah. is it not your
1: problem? Like a, a, I, a lot of-
0: I just had a thought there for,
2: because I mentioned intersectionality, I didn't actually give a definition. So people oh, yeah. who are watching this might not know what it is. Yeah. And intersectionality is the overlap of um different oppressions. So depending on who you are, me as a white woman, I face uh, patriarchy. That's an oppression that I face. Mm. But a black woman such as yourself, Buki, would have to deal with racism on top of that. Mm. So that's the idea. Intersectionality is how all of these things overlap. Just yeah. so everybody.
0: Yeah. True. Good. Good on you. Thank you for doing that as well. Yeah. No. Oh, no. I think it's really important to give a definition
1: to that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Because it, it is something I think, and it's, it's so important that we do look at everything in intersectional terms. Because I think that's something that people in all their efforts to try and solve the issues in the world. I think it's when, when approaches that are taken aren't looking at things in an intersectional basis, that that's when the issues that come along. I mean, like I know as someone who's kind of, you know, uh, like I'd be very, I try to be very clear into LGBT issues and um, like as a queer person myself, and I know like that, a lot of issues that arise in the LGBT community, a lot of the solutions that are posed, benefit white cis members of the LGBT community tend not to um benefit the trans members or the members who are um, indigenous and people of color you know and it is very disproportionate in terms of how the and in some of as you're saying like it, it, it's so important that like you know when we are looking at things that we do look at an intersectional aspect of how yeah. solving one issue can solve another yeah. but you also have to make sure that you are taking into account that there are multiple layers to um this and it's like why the whole like climate crisis come around, it's, it's all the colonialism and everything that goes along with that. And um, Lucy, like, like Lucy, like, like, loves ability colonization. So, you know, <laughs> don't like, want to like, do you like, like, you know. So I, I don't, I don't... <laughs> but, <laughs> but every uh, time, so your, so favorite word is decolonize and I love it. But, um, every single yeah, no, time, I is, even, I, I'm glad before. you kind of put a definition to it. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't. Know, I, know,
0: I, I is, like my
1: that. hand up like the majority, I, I like exactly. I was gonna say in second school, like I didn't really. I was very much that person who was the same in that. Like it was like, let's recycle. You know, we can save the world if I recycle. And and I'm still the person who obviously like I still be at home be like that doesn't go in the black bin. What do you mean? Or like that doesn't go in the green bin. You're like, but at the same time, like I know like Eva and Mireya, like Shane, like like even Maria like didn't just unlock the door of my mind. Even Mireya kicked down the door of my knowledge of like of like sustainability. I was like, no, you don't know. You don't know anything and I was like oh. so ever since, ever since the two of them came into my life it's
0: been like eye-opening but it's, yeah. but it's just it's because you don't have those conversations anywhere else you know so true that educational aspect even touching on what you've all said I'm going to move to the next question to ask you both as well the main topic the main debate because you've mentioned it and you're like why are people not talking about this the main question today is why do people not care so what would you think and why do you think people because we know people don't care there are some people who really don't care so let's be honest and <laughs> um, but um yeah like anyone jump out and say um you know feel free to speak up if you'd like to answer that if you have one
3: I can go first this is just because this is something I'd like I get it to a certain degree but then it's just the pure ignorance because like like humans just psychologically like I attended a talk on this because I was just so enraged by it but, like psychologically you know for, ex- for example people who smoke you know it's like you know it's not good for you but unless you come to the point where there's no return you're like okay then i have to stop it's the same thing it's like you will continue to do whatever suits you until it comes to the point where it doesn't suit you anymore and like for so long people think that the climate movement began in greta in like 2018 it didn't you know we've got 51 years of earth day this year indigenous communities have been shouting For hundreds of years, but it's just because those in power, like the people who control the media, which are normally countries in the global north, white countries who are perfectly fine living their best lives exploiting other countries, they didn't talk about it for so long. And that's kind of the reason why, because we're just psychologically not able to kind of be like, oh, I don't want to worry about that. It's like 20 years. And like the reality is, the climate crisis is yesterday, it's today, and it's tomorrow, you know? Um, So that's just, it's, oh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh. <I'm playing. laughs> it's just that it's literally just because we're never taught to I think you said something but you were like yeah it's not our problem mm. it's that entire sentence we're taught to never care about like what happens outside of our own bubble just right, because right. that's the way our world has got a colonialism um invading different countries that's what we've been taught what we we've been seeing throughout history it's just you take care of yourself if something's happening to your neighbor pray it doesn't happen to you don't talk about it oh and if it's this entire history of just like you stay quiet, it'll be good for you. It, it's
0: just oh, Whoa. I hate it's Whoa. So Let me just tell you, it got very hot. So you got very honest, open, and transparent. Yes. Because- I'm so sorry,
3: and I'm not. <laughs> like, this is, was, this yeah.
0: is important. no, don't
1: apologize. I was
0: feeling it. That's oh my gosh. Okay, you know what? Let me not talk. But that's exactly
1: great. it. I like and I love that. It's like yeah, but like if something if happens to your neighbour, like you said it there, it's like it's not a case of let's go help them. It's pray it doesn't happen to you it's not exactly. like everyone like looks after their own skin and just hope that whatever's bad is happened there and like that's the same like you know in ireland we're like well we hope it's not gonna happen to us and we hope we're not gonna see a monsoon happening anytime soon or you know but i said no there's no action to actually assist the people I, who are going through at the moment
2: i'd like to add to that so our education system has a serious gap because it has not been decolonized so I know loads about the ancient Romans um, and I know all about these different layers that you go down and all these different oh! things that I don't, that are like, I don't need to know these things, but I don't know about how, I watched this amazing video on YouTube recently and it detailed a load of African history. And it talked about the problem with African history is a lot of it, it, it was there, but we separated generations of people and the oral tradition was lost. Mm. But there've been people, they were uh, performing, mm-hmm. Caesarean sections in Ethiopia uh, hundreds of years before uh, (laughs) Europe was. There's all of that there, but we're not taught any of that. So the only exposure in Ireland that we really get to other countries, particularly the former uh, colonies in the global south, who, unlike us, they weren't white and they didn't speak English and they weren't right beside Europe. We've kind of bypassed our colonial history because of that, you know, it still has its effects, but we're able to overcome a lot of it because we don't have those factors working against us. Mm. But our exposure to like India and Africa, a lot of the time, the only time we ever hear about it is when there's a disaster that's up on national television. So as far as people are concerned, (laughs) it's all, there's disaster over the place. So it's nothing unusual, even when something happens, that sort of stuff just happens in that corner of the world. And that's yeah. the attitude that, because we're, we're not taught about these cultures and then we're not given no news about them until, oh yeah, look at this country, this is happening. And nobody realizes that these are actually yeah. the effects of climate change because they don't realize it's unusual.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. And even like a lot of time when you are discussing the kind of that, that topic and stuff around culture, like funny enough, I found like, I learned more about like, say, um, like, you know, the concept of favelas in, I learned about that geography. I didn't learn about the history and like the causes of it or like or why there, like tends to be like, it's not a historical thing. It's more of a geographical stuff. And it's that kind of separation of, oh, it's not something you need to know. Like, I mean, it's great to know about Roman history and all. And I, lo- I, I find it interesting and all, but I'm like, do I really need to know about like, what, what the, the significance of a design on a like hundreds of year old shield means? in a position to something that is affecting like my world as it lives now you know it's like and I'm not and, I'm, and as someone who is like a primary school like teaching degree person um, I can't say I'm a teacher yet because I think I got that I ain't got that paper um, but I'm I'm not one to be like on everyone to be like you know oh we like we don't learn the right things in in school because we will go on and be like well, we should learn about taxes and all I'm like yeah but also education for education's sake it's great so I do think that like yes yeah, It's great to learn about like Roman civilizations and all that. So, but at the same time, it's like when you're worried about those, but also lacking the important information Mm. that's relating to you and relating to now. That's when you kind of go, like priorities, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Something that's really scary. I know you talked about like, oh, we're like not we're not necessarily like taught the wrong things. Yeah, that's true. But something that's also another layer to that. We're not taught the wrong things maybe we are in some cases I think we are in some cases to be fair um but there's a scary aspect that we're taught a lot of the colonizers mindsets rather than the decolonized mindset and that's scary because I I would have learned a lot about how countries or you know people colonized other countries and other peoples and other you know cultures that's scary to me because it's like that's all we talked about. We never talked about the effects of what that did to those people now, because we're seeing that now. That's scary, <laughs> to be fair. I think that's quite scary. I think, adding on to that, there's a thing where
2: when we start to talk about um, these other countries that are being affected by climate change, mm. and it comes up in debates, it's usually a talk. When you see it in the climate movement, the problem is it has been mostly white people a lot of whom don't realize they need to check their privilege so you end up with these prevailing ideas that just aren't great for example the whole overpopulation thing and it's a bit like it, it that's not really that much of a problem because the countries with the biggest populations aren't the ones actually churning out most of the pollution um and as well as that there's a lot of the a lot of the talk now mm. is it's always, what about the economy when we take these steps? Mm. Uh, it's
3: the economy. Oh and one thing.
2: That, I'm like, economy yeah. isn't going to be. Worth one thing it that if comes back. Dead. I just want to say this very quickly. Um, one thing that always comes back is can Africa and India and China really be allowed to grow if we need to tackle climate change? Well, well, and this I'm comes up. Really. A serious topic whoa I, I just can't wrap my head around it
0: whoa i'm sorry this yeah. is the most unpacked gmm episode in my entire year i'm sorry whoa what say that again You can you say that again because <laughs> i don't think the people heard
3: what the thing is right
0: we, we have
2: a okay part, part of the reason that people don't care we have to so we've, we've got the we're talking about the colonialism part of things but there's a few other things behind it right um Sorry, i lost my thought. I've had four hours sleep since Monday, so just give me a second. Sorry, oh, you got it. Um, right, uh, so these types of things that we end up talking about, the climate movement started off with um, a bit like the way that the tobacco industry behaved in the 50s. They found out tobacco was bad for you, the tobacco companies went, this is going to affect our profits, and they poured money into advertising and misinformation campaigns so that they could drag out longer and longer, whether or not cigarettes were bad for you. Mm-hmm. And then when the companies who sold fossil fuels found this out in seventies, the they decided, well, let's fund people who are climate deniers. So up until the two thousands, it was, is climate change real or not? Mm-hmm. And it's never really about how can we do it? And we're only starting to get into that now, very barely. And it's so frustrating because behind the scenes when you're in the movement, there's all these in-depth discussions and there's so much to learn and everybody knows all these different things, but it's not part of the like the mainstream discussion. It's not brought in there. Um, so yeah, that's that's what's happened. We've had a problem where, first of all, it was denial, but now what's happening is we're having people arguing, well, the economy, and it's going to be difficult and it might cost us more to make the changes than it'll save it's just all this mad reasoning but that's mm-hmm. that's what we're hearing and a lot of it does focus on africa and china because those are areas where people can say well yeah i'm concerned about them growing considering they're such big populations and what if they start to live lifestyles like us and it's it's frustrating Right,
0: right whoa i'm sorry i'm trying to like come down from all oh, of that was just there cuz i'm like this is, oh, this is honest open and transparent for real <laughs> but yeah no you, you both really hit like mat- the button. B- numerous nails not even one nail numerous nails um on numerous heads <laughs> but like um I don't know sorry Carol I didn't know if you wanted to jump in there or was it
1: no I was just gonna say even that sentence like it's, it's the worry that they'll live like lives like us you that
0: know was- and even
1: that sentence like that's I mean, that carries so much weight and it's like, so true like Because it's a case of it's not a case of it's never a case of we should just how we live. It's a case of they should they like we can't allow them to have the same privilege as us because there can't be that many people with that much privilege in the world without the world falling apart. So it's taking the sense of well that's not that's like and that's that's exactly what Leaf was saying like it's Mm -hmm. it's, you know if everyone had all that unlimited privilege and. you know, the world will fall apart, and it's it's about people who aren't, you know, willing to give up their privilege for the sake of the planet, and are instead making sure that no one gets up to where they they are, like, you know, and Mm. I think it's crazy, but, like, I think you just put it fantastic. Like, I I can listen to you talk about the environment all day. I always say, I learned stuff every time but uh but no like that's exactly it's not even hitting the nail on the head like I feel like being Q is out of business like all the nails are gone because they hit, like it's just all the nails have are in the head <laughs> but uh, yeah no definitely
0: yeah that was I just caught your joke there I was like what did you just say? <laughs> like then yeah I got you I got B&Q,
1: you a hardware you know nails <laughs> hit, hit,
0: hit, 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 yeah hit. I got it I'm sorry this is how I'm always like when Kieran throws one of those jokes I never hear it but, um, I not- love
1: a good metaphor
0: <laughs> even continuing on um so our question we have another not another question sorry yeah it is another question but now talking to you know students today I actually went on to our Instagram we have a blog um page MSU underscore blogs, and um, where we kind of do polls and questions and we did ask some students kind of about this topic that we're discussing today and you know whether they felt like people cared about the climate crisis or just the environment as a whole and a lot of people were like you know the same things that you both mentioned no i don't think so majority people answered no and also said that people just don't feel like it's relevant to them and those are topics that you've touched on right now but we also posed the question of do you feel like you know you're doing enough for the environment and i didn't specify in which aspect or in which way you know whether it be personal or on a bigger scale I just asked, you know, to see what how people felt. And a lot of people said they don't feel like they're doing enough, which is valid. Um, a lot, some people said, yeah, absolutely. I'm doing as much as I can. Um, So I think a lot of students are- They say that I
2: don't feel I'm doing enough. <laughs> can, I,
0: can I, yeah. yeah. I, can I, I can
3: I'm on that, that same boat as well. I still don't feel like I'm doing enough.
0: It's, it's a mutual feeling. And that's the thing. Yeah. Though, the reason why I asked the question is because I was at that stage maybe about three years ago where I was like, I didn't, when I fully started grasping the concept of everything that was going on properly in my own mind, I I felt so guilty that I was like, I'm not doing enough. Like, as in, because I thought like, oh, what I'm doing is too small. Um, But that's not, that's not my fault. It's not a lot of people's fault. We're not educated to the point where we know Mm -hmm. what we can do. And you've touched on that. I keep saying you touched on that um, topic, but that education aspect, a lot of people have said that too. So let's talk about what can we do while we're in this mess that people have created for us. <laughs> people, you know who I'm talking about. But yeah, no, I think what can people do? Oh. On, on, for, uh, for like, just
1: kind of, before you go on back, as we were saying about like, not feeling like you're doing enough.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: think the, the reason that is is because it's not, I, it, I think, you know, it's like, if someone has asked you to push a large boulder, right? And you're pushing with all your strength and you're doing as much as you can, and they're standing by the side going, come on you've almost got it great job keep going and it's like but they're not doing anything to help and that's very much I think the mentality that like a lot of people have And that you know when people push the idea of you need to recycle you know you need to make sure you're recycling because that one can that you accidentally put in the in the black bin is really going to make a massive difference in it, like that that could kill people you know and you're like mm, really and uh, maybe it's the government not hitting their, their targets. you know on time in terms of sustainability I'm like maybe the large overseeing body of the of the country is how so you to blame rather than me mixing up a can as to whether it's the place or not but I think that's the mentality it's the case of like you know people have to work together it can't be that singular effort you know and and then going into I guess I, I'll, I'll pass over to, to Theresa and Ethan like um talk more about it like just think, talk. but that was just uh, another metaphor for me Is like that's how it still feels and I think we're always going to feel like we can do more because that's like the blame is being put on individuals at the moment, when in reality, it's not our fault, and it isn't our fault. But we're the ones being told to, to do more all the time. And I feel like we talk about I could be talk I could be talking about COVID, or I could be talking about the environment. You know who? <laughs> but uh, well, that's another conversation. <laughs> but anywho, you
0: made the yeah. point though. Like that's very true. I agree. But yeah, opening the floor to y'all. You know what can we say to the people out there, to the students out there? Um, you know, from both sides, from secondary school, primary school college what can we say to them because they're all like I feel bad and we don't want them to feel that because you know
2: they're purposely trying to make it hard they're purposely trying to make it hard and if you look at oh my god there was an advice leaf that they went around last year the year before from the government I would nearly throw up when I saw it and it was all like recycle switch off your lights this is how you save the planet we're going no uh there was not. There was nothing about lobby or bank to ask them not to invest in fossil fuels. There was nothing
0: about. That, sorry, they were just decolonize any frustration. You know, anything else about recycling. <laughs> the thing is that
2: that's that's the problem. Part that's actually part of the reason that people don't care. It's not that they don't care. It's that they don't feel they can actually do anything, because what we've been peddled since forever is that it's our individual moral responsibility to fix climate change by taking tiny individual actions at home when actually if you just fix the system stop making plastic and there you go no more plastics
1: going out yeah
2: that's that's, honestly that would fix it
1: yeah or even (laughs) stuff like driving to work and all that like i remember at the time of the pandemic remember those those two weeks when when we thought it was going to be two weeks and the whole discussion was because everyone's staying at home and work, like from working from home we're gonna close the ozone layer hole and I'm like no I'm pro- pretty sure it's because all the corporations that were absolutely filling the air with toxic gases they're the ones who stopped I'm like you know when it's like yes of course there's some elements that'll contribute to but like it is it's like oh look at this tiny thing that has a minuscule impact you're not doing that like and it, and it goes back to what you're saying that like the whole people don't want Others have as much privilege. Like other people want the privilege to be able to do mm-hmm. whatever they want and not think about it, and they put the blame on the people and make sure that they can never get to that stage. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah, and even yeah, Teresa. Yeah. What about
3: yourself as well? I mean, I feel like I've got a very long-winded answer just because I've I, I I say I have the um the the unfortunate. I've actually met a few oil executives. Um, I was on a call with them, uh, basically lobbying them to not attend COP and um I was talking to the head of Europe of British Petroleum. And um this is a very I haven't I haven't said this on live so this is a very special piece for everyone here yeah. listening. Exclusive. The head of BP Europe told me and my fellow activists that they have oils for the years to come. Um keeping in mind that BP put out a report saying that they're going to become sustainable. And then I was told to my face that they're going to continue ploughing for oil. But of course they're going to do it sustainably. But um That that, for anyone listening, that's not possible. (laughs) There's no way we can like continue having a sustainable future with fossil fuels in the picture. But, um, the thing I want to put out is like this whole idea of this perfect activist that does not exist. You know, the whole point of activism is like you have your struggles, but you try, Mm. and and that's the main thing. It's the fact that you're being you're, you're trying, you know. Like, I at the start of my activism, I joined a strike, that was that was it, you know, that was me trying, but then. As my as my like capacity grew and as my knowledge grew, I was able to try harder, and you know it just it just comes back to that. And remember, it's those in power, the corporations who are continuously blaming us, um, greenwashing us. Um, it's really not the governments who are in power; it's those trade unions and those corporations who run the world. But um, you know, it's it's just that the onus of fixing this crisis is not on us as individuals; it's on the corporations who are knowingly. Um, exploiting BIPOC individuals and our futures. Um, And another fun fact, British Petroleum created the term carbon footprint. Why? Because they wanted to change the entire aspect of climate justice to recycle. That's it. Boom. (laughs) You know the way everybody used to say global warming?
2: Literally, everybody used to say global warming. Oh, God. Okay. Well, what cool. happened was they did a focus group in the early two thousands. The Amer- American government, who were obviously you know very close with big mm. oil, um, and they found that global warming made people afraid. So they said climate change because it didn't trigger the same panic in people. Mm. And that's they they literally chose words. I can't cope for that reason. That's um, how deep they this goes.
1: It's I'm telling you, yeah. right? I. I even think though, like sometimes I know, it, like obviously because because there's so big, like such big money in like fossil fuels and everything, and like I don't you know, I can't remember. I think I was watching Iron Man or something random, or maybe it was. I think it was a Marvel movie, and I remember they were talking about how they could make like something into sustainable energy. And I was just thinking, and I was like, you know, even if hypothetically speaking, they were to find some way tomorrow that was going to literally that could replace all fossil fuels with a sustainable energy source. And I'm like, you know what? There's probably someone who'd order like an assassination of someone with those ideas just to cling on to power. Like, I'm like, someone would literally kill to avoid like us going green because of the amount of power that they hold because of oil. And it's and it's it sounds like when you think like, oh my god, like how much people will want thing want to is hold they, on they to do that kill. Like, power. Yeah, no, I know, but that's they do what I mean. kill. Like, it, but it, the it,
2: thing is, we're, we're in yeah. countries where we don't we don't see that happen. We don't see There's it. over yeah. 200 activists a year are getting killed for their activism yeah. in in those areas trying to protect a lot of the. It especially affects indigenous people at the moment because yeah. they're some of the last wilderness places on earth are under their jurisdiction. So they're coming face to face with people who want the oils, they want the they want to uh, go in and log everything. They want basically they just want to tear it all up and sell it. Mm-hmm and it, it's very frustrating too mm. okay. you know it's it's a big it's a big issue but the thing is even though we're talking about this is a very difficult issue I'd like to give people you know this this ray of hope as in all the technologies that we need to get ourselves out of this already exist not a, it's not perfect yeah. there's still going to be problems but we do have the technologies that can allow us to make these changes mm. so they're there we're we're on track mm. we just need to
3: you know yeah.
0: if you're
2: going to concentrate on something
3: that they don't like you,
2: know, the, you know like the little life changes that's great but if you feel that you don't have the energy to try and get your own life really really you know sustainable but you do have the energy to be uh, joining protests or supporting movements or anything like that i would recommend giving your energy towards that because if you get three and a half percent of the population yeah. of a country on board with something, you cannot fail to make change. you mm-hmm. only need three and a half percent of the population. So that's, that's, that's where your energy uh-huh. should go and talk to your family about yeah. it and say to them, just turn up to this stuff. If three and a half percent of the population participate in an event, it never fails to make change.
3: That's in my brain <laughs> they get out the calculator and be like, what's three point four percentage of Ireland? It's like, hmm. Next time, strike like the, the, the calculations if you want to keep that. i oh got Yes, please.
1: But even that's much better than like I saw. I saw a TV show on RTE where it was like essentially a competition to see which family could lower their carbon footprint the most. And it was like where they were like, yeah, don't eat meat, and make sure you're only doing one wash a week, and all this, and make sure you're drying your things, and I'm, like. And I'm like, you're putting this out in the National Broadcasting Service. All I was going to do is, I was, like, I was like, that's an hour of the day of broadcast television where you could be educating people on all the shit that's going on in the world. And you chose to make sure Mary down the road is only putting on one watch a day and putting stuff out the line. I'm like, really? Really, RT? Where's is that really scary? what you want to see? <laughs> Leave
0: I'm like, Mary alone, Yeah, who, that was
2: their, like, they did an entire week for sustainability content. Yeah. And that was what they came out with. And everybody, everyone's in the environmental movement just loved them it was just
3: we're not surprised but i attended their youth parliament i attended their youth parliament and i can tell you like a hundred percent it was a full pr stunt um we weren't allowed to strike Mm. even though it was a friday they they only allowed a few of us to go out and strike um the recommendations that we gave to the politicians personally i haven't heard a word back from them afterwards um this it's just PR it's literally just PR and kind of being like oh if we do this but can we get our viewers it's it's this entire sort of conversation is more it's it's coming back to how can I benefit off of talking about the crisis now it's not about how can I educate others how can I benefit and it's just greenwashing uh, yeah
2: I have the figure here it's 171,640 okay okay if you got unions and everything on board and you got schools and you got colleges going you have that we you're very close already massive i'm taking down
0: the figure no honestly that's actually like so that's so doable as well like, that is so doable it's Achievable. Like, it really 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 is and that's what i
2: mean that's all we have that's what we have to get to because if we have that many people demanding things and especially with a government that has struggled to uh, get back into power as in two opposing parties that have been right. warring against each other for 97 years have had to join up uh, the green only
1: it's, it's only, <laughs> only 6,000 6, i think if my maths are correct six thousand one hundred on seconds yeah six thousand one hundred thirty people per county in the republic so Sorry. not including the north because uh, yeah it's, i've it's, gone by that, republic like,
2: figures
1: yeah that's what i figured yeah so like absolutely like six just over six thousand people per county so like when you think about it, like the amount of people per county if you really get that like anything, like even in, in Lacenstive University, like we're a college of like in Mana's, like we're like somewhere between twelve and fourteen thousand students, yeah. depending on the year. So like that's like two counties covered essentially. So even if you've got all the students back in that, like that's like you can make massive change if you mm. would have got on board. But it is just a case of trying to get people to realise like it's not just something that's going to affect someone else, like you know, and especially you I I think I think the younger generations are more open to it because I think we're more like scared I guess and like you know it's, it's great if like if whoever down the road who's 60 odd years it's fantastic to have them on board realistically are they going to see the long-term effect be like, you know, some,
2: some of my favorite activists
1: know, whereas it's, yeah
2: one of my favorite activists I measure yeah, um at like Rebellion Week, she was a woman in her eighties, and she sat down on the ground and refused to move. And the guardee moved in in a line, and they like uh-huh. we knew if we stayed there, we were getting arrested. So a bunch of people had decided mm-hmm. they were going to stay sitting outside the gates of the doll. So we blocked them in, um, and they had to pick people up. And they got as far as her and she's looking up at them. And the police realise that if they pick her up, everybody's filming. If they pick up an 80-year-old woman and, like, carry her and dump her over there, it's not going yeah. to look good.
0: No, so they didn't touch
2: yeah. her. They had to stop because there's just this line of old people. Like, you can't really like, pick them up. Yeah, that
0: was,
1: I, I but that. it's all about getting... Like, it is getting... It, it is getting about, about getting everyone on board. I think, like, obviously, I don't think any... I don't think we can say like you can have a movement when just have I wouldn't be saying it's like, so only get young people, it's only going to affect young people because it's not only going to affect young people. But I mean in terms of the like if you want to look at the I guess for in, going back to the whole thing of, like, you know, people only care about what affects them. I think it's easier to get younger people in Ireland to look into the future because they're still going to be alive when like the real consequences are going to start hitting Ireland. You know, and then I think it's easier to get them to then go, oh, this is what's going to happen to us in a couple of years. But it's actually happening to everyone else right now, you know, outside of Ireland. I think it's easier to kind of to gateway them into caring about the wider issues around, um, around climate issues because mm-hmm. they're younger. But I think it's, it's the older generation who've kind of come up through the, you know, come up through the boom, come up through, like, the big growth in the economy and everything that's kind of led in recent years to, the, like, to the rapid increase, I guess, in terms of the local stuff. It's much harder I find, but, to get them to kind of go oh yeah
2: this is a big issue because i think what we oh. also have to remember is we have a high level of education which we've never had before suddenly 60 percent of the population oh, yeah. going to college my mum couldn't afford to mm. go to college neither could any of her siblings um, and my grandparents never made it to secondary school either of them i think in total my grandfather had he was in school for for eight years No, he was in school for six years. And in that time, he made it to 200 and something days in total across all of that time. Mm, So there's a level of education that's missing. and I think that's part of the reason that people also, people don't know how to care because they don't understand what you're trying to tell them. Mm
0: -hmm. Because when you're
2: involved in the movement, you're talking an awful lot of science. And science is very difficult to get across to people if they don't have basic concepts. And... I think that's something that the environmental movement really needs to look at it needs to look at explaining things simply rather than trying to sound clever because mm-hmm. so, a lot of people are just out there spouting all the stuff they know and yeah. it's not approachable it's just white noise
3: yeah i can even tell you like three years in the ipcc reports some of the scientific facts that come out i'm still sitting there like what does this mean it's it's really hard i think that's one of the reasons like education and just things that we should know, regardless of where we are in life. Oh, my battery is running low. Sorry. Um, it's just like, it's so hard to understand, but um, I would recommend an amazing resource called climate science. Um, They are really, really great because what they do is they're an entire nonprofit organization who are run, like basically run by scientists who offer up their free time to take scientific, scientific information and break it down. And it is amazing. So I recommend it for everyone. Because it it helps me. I'm not a science person at all, but it helps.
0: I, I've got I, I found their Instagram, so I think I'll share that um on our social. On my notes. Yeah, but honestly,
1: <laughs> I, go there. I was gonna say I used to laugh at the at the, the thing of the white noise, and I like I only because I was like it it really is. It's like I mean that's the whole point of it. Like we need to be, like like not only just raising obviously local issues for but I think it's so important to be platforming like white pop voices in relation to like in relation to the issue and looking at it intellectually otherwise like it is just white noise because it's just it's literally it's white people who yep. aren't getting affected to the I same degree are making noise when in reality and and I only thought of that because I was watching Drag Race and it was a joke that was made um on Drag Race <laughs> in one of the episodes and it just came into my head there but literally that's what it is white noise and it's not what we need what we need is like actual focus on like the main issues rather than
2: just like i think i think there's also been an antagonistic history with some groups especially the the poor farmers have had to deal with an awful lot of flack from environmental groups because the thing is there's no perfect activist so you have a lot of people who are very hardcore believe very much in what they're doing and they're the people who are very visible and a lot of them well sorry some of them some groups are very anti-agriculture as in they don't really they don't really make it they don't don't talk about it in a way that makes the farmers realize that it's something that could help them because agriculture is actually our biggest weapon against climate change because you improve soil health it pulls carbon out of the air you bring back biodiversity it pulls Mm -hmm. carbon out of the air and it also means that our food is going to be better because an apple nowadays um sorry one apple back in the 1940s provided the same amount of nutrients that four apples do today
1: because we don't have the same amount of nutrients in our soil so, because we've damaged the bacteria so now it's yeah so now it's less an apple a day keeps it off away. it's more like four apples a day keeps it off away, yeah. and three is only going to like keep them a better like down the road but yeah. yeah i but i i agree like a lot of a lot of people and i know a lot of farmers in particular will be very like defensive when it comes to um would would be really unwilling to engage i found in um people who come from agriculture backgrounds initially seem to be really unwilling to engage in like talks around climate change because I know a big thing that in relation to them is around like around the thinning of the herds and stuff so I know that was the big topic Mm -hmm. kind of a while ago and like the importance of you know reducing the amount of cattle that we have in um in the country and how that would affect in terms of methane and stuff like that um but it's like exactly you're saying it's like because you know some people are thinking in the in the 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 immediate like you know, it's not thinking about the long term effects of you know, improved soil and imp- improved biodiversity, it's just looking at the here and now. What's affecting me right now? You know, is that I have less, help, I make more, I make less money. Whereas they look at it that way rather than looking, oh, I could develop it in, in, in different agricultural areas, I could look better rather than being purely beef farming, I could instead branch out into beef farming as a portion of my income, and then also looking into I can't remember the name for the food stuff. Um, But the the non-beef farming, essentially, I'm not a farmer.
3: I don't know why you said it
1: and
0: I had it in my head. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. but we essentially,
2: what we need to do is modernize farming. And when I say modernize farming, that means make it sustainable. Um, So we're going to have to diversify because the fact that we depend so much on beef as an export product, and now the E U Mercosur deal means that that could have a big effect on our economy an economy that specializes in one area and something goes wrong you know it's it's yeah. not great so the more diversity ha- we if, have the more if resilient if the we will actually
0: again. be right <laughs> Essentially, yeah. <laughs> that was honestly... Um, yeah. I was actually going to ask, Teresa, I think, do you want to... Like, say, I mean, what? you
1: think you think we would have learned after the potatoes, like oh, maybe you'd like have something other than potatoes. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, Teresa, I thought you... Maybe were...
1: we need more potatoes now. Maybe
0: that's... <laughs> Gerard! <laughs> just like potato blight. Like, are we talking about potatoes? <laughs> I'm joking, sorry. Um, Teresa, I thought you were going to say something, so I just wanted to let you... Um, no
3: i think i was just listening honestly um i think i i had well one thing i wanted to bring up again is like when it comes to farming and agriculture that's why it's so important we have like a just transition because of course a lot of the stuff we do today is not sustainable but there are people behind that you know fossil fuel workers they're they're still people um and that's why it's so important like when we talk about climate action it's not just climate actions climate justice you know it's making sure that those who are working in um maybe sectors we need to reform they're given the aid to transition to maybe a better working they're upskilled to maybe working from a coal rig I guess a coal a mine rig an oil rig an oil rig um to like a sustainable energy sector it's it's all about you know upskilling people and making sure that we don't leave anyone behind because the truth is we've been leaving people behind and we've been knowingly leaving people behind and that has to change so I'm just learning a lot because like I've been in Ireland 15 years and I've studied history for junior cert. I'm still learning more about Irish history and Irish culture every single day. So I'm just listening. But I I want I wanted to put in the point about a just transition.
0: Yeah, that's that's honestly like a very, very good point to make as well. Um, And why is my brain blanking? Wake up, Uki, you are here. (laughs) But honestly, like we're at kind of the end of the conversation now anyway, but even like that was packed. Like that was, when I say packed, it was like loaded with some serious information and some serious top points that a lot of people, you know, don't want us to know about or talk about. We've hit on so many different things. And I think that like, we need to keep these really important conversations about the deep seated inequalities in this this crisis right now. And one thing I was going to say was that just to even anyone who is listening to this later on, um, if you can find any kind of injustice in your own life, guarantee you nearly 99.99% it always links back to this crisis that we're currently talking about Um, and once you find that I feel like your body's gonna be like up and ready to go like I'm, I'm not gonna sit down for it and that was part of one of my reasons anyway I don't know if it will help anyone but personally that was something that pushed me to be like bruh this is uh this is something more than meets the eye and it's because no one told us about it because they didn't want us to know about it but now we're knowing and we're gonna have to get moving you know and that's the the positive about like getting that education from others so honestly this means I just
3: like I'd like to say
2: one more thing to kind of another thing to try and deconstruct that narrative you've been given in your head that it's your fault like hello I'm 23 years old I was not alive when everybody decided that we were going to have a lovely fossil fuel economy
3: right you know
2: I'm only allowed vote for the past five years (laughs) I'm not good at maths um But what i would like to say is even those little things you're doing okay so i had somebody say to me well what's the point of buying eco-friendly toothbrushes or the reusable bottle or anything like that if um it's not really making a difference and what i say to you is we do live in an economy um so as much as they do talk about the economy it's not something that's going to go away we just have to rethink our idea of growth and development and we need to rethink it we rethought it after world war ii And that's how we ended up in the system we're in now. And now we need to rethink again in order to take the next step forward. But every bit of money you put towards reusable things or eco-friendly products is you investing in a company that is providing those products and providing those services. So your money in those areas is never going to waste. Mm -hmm. And when you're doing those things, it's not unimpactful. You've supported a business that is giving those alternatives because we can't just remove everything if the alternatives don't exist. Yeah. You're helping the alternatives grow, and you can fight then to make sure that they're given the support they need to become the main part of the system.
0: Hey, oh my time. And also,
1: <laughs> like by divesting, like from uh, spending money on those the non-sustainable brands. I this as well. It's like, while yes, you know, if one person. Stop buying from a non-sustainable brand. Is the brand going to go away completely? Probably not, but it might mean that when they're looking at their stock in terms of how much they need to order and how much they need to, to actually produce in the first place, if let's say they're producing 10 units of whatever their product is, and that's like normally would say for all their customers would would be a decent amount. If all of a sudden they don't need 10 and they're only selling enough to be using five, then all of a sudden, they could put their production in half, and it's like if because at the end of the day, companies work based on a profit margin. So, if it's obviously now there'll be some things that you know that'll have stock there, but in terms of like, um, if 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 companies don't see a need to produce as much because they don't have as big of a market or they don't have a big of an uptake, it means that you're going to see less production, which is obviously going to lead to less, um, like less emissions less production costs less uh, resource being used up in terms of production like which will all have an impact impact in some way shape or form and it's not so it's, it, it isn't just about like you know whether with like reusable cups you know and non-reusable cups it's not even just about that one cup and yes obviously it's, it's about like looking like it's, it's as much about um divesting from ones that are using the non-sustainable ones and investing in the sustainable branding to ensure that that's there but so that when the, hopefully as yes. we do switch over more and more, it becomes more of a, just a bigger one rather than the other one, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I Any guess, sense? I don't know if I made sense there, but I think it did.
0: You but. made sense, you said this similar thing that, if you kind of said the same thing as Eva, but like you gave give like an analogy, which yeah. is Huron's forte, he just loves giving analogies. So yeah, that's actually true, you did say that- I like a metaphor, it's how I my brain works. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know there's like people like Huron who definitely can give pictures of things the way you think as well. And that's a good way to put it out. Cause I definitely imagined it and I was like, oh. I get what you're saying but um yeah and even Teresa I don't know if you have any final remarks as well yourself you to close it off.
3: um I just think it's just trying you know just try and make that difference and education is an amazing tool you know I, I really consider it both to be mitigation which is you know stopping the, the effects of the climate crisis to come as well as adaptation which is making sure that your vulnerability to the climate crisis effects are reduced and education is a great tool to do both because um, a friend of mine has said this, Cody, you can't fight for what you love if you don't know who you're loving, you know, that sort of thing. And so it's, you know, find what you love um, and fight for it.
0: Yeah, that's it. I I love the the positive note as well, like that key on education, tapping into that. Once we kind of open that up and open that sphere, the education that we really, really need, (laughs) the decolonized one, (laughs) yeah, then, you know, this is this is gonna be like one of your biggest tools. I so I definitely agree with you there. Um, but with that being said, everyone, we have come to the fin the end of our show today's episode. I want to thank our special guests Aoife and Teresa for coming on honestly I can confirm that this probably was one of my favourite episodes to do because like whoa I just felt like everything was wings were being snatched and like points were just being dropped it was very 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 important and I really loved it so thank you so much for being our guest and um, hopefully we'll get to see each other in the near future fingers crossed Um, but yeah with that being said is it it's good afternoon Manute at this point (laughs) but yeah that's it at this
1: point I'm like good (laughs) night (laughs) Manute but yeah
0: so thank you so much for watching slash listening listening listening